could be, uh, do me a favor and make your way to Isaiah chapter 58. Hey, Matt, can I get you to grab that door back there? Isaiah chapter 58, we're, uh, we're still in between. Is that loud to anybody? We all good? All right. My ears are playing tricks. I got like full of fluid, and so everything sounds really loud to me. But I think it's just me hearing myself on the inside of my head, and it sounds like, you know. Anyways, so Isaiah chapter 58. Um, so let me kind of give you an idea of what, what's going on. So this week and, and next week, we're going to spend some time here in Isaiah 58 and deal with fasting. What does the Bible say about fasting? This has been something that's been on my heart for a while. I went back and I looked, and it's been about eight years since we've addressed this as a church, and I want to come back and, and deal with it. And I think when I just say the word fasting, your mind immediately thinks of, oh no, I'm going to be hungry. And that's, that's, not, that's not what we're going to talk about. In fact, we're going to let the text just take us where we need to go. And, uh, and you're wonder, maybe wondering, why is there a chair on the stage? Well, that's going to come in handy here in just a few minutes. Um, so I want to take these next two weeks to address this passage in Isaiah 58. And then the following week, my friend Jeff Bartell is going to be here. He's from New Philadelphia, First Baptist Church in New Philadelphia, Ohio. So Jeff Bartell is coming in, and he's going to come in, and he's going to speak at the 9 a.m. time on Sunday morning. So if you have not been a part of 9 a.m., you're going to want to be a part of that. So he's going to come and, and uh, speak to all of our 9 a.m.s. I'm going to talk to all our leaders about that today. And then... Um, um, and then main service, he's going to be speaking and, and really challenging us in the area of missions and what a missions-minded church is. Uh, if you're, some of you have met Jeff Bartell or you've heard of him and, and whatever. He's, he's been here and preached about five or six years ago. And uh, man, he's just a dear friend of mine, and he doesn't pull a whole lot of punches. He's kind of just straightforward, and so he's pretty blunt in how he addresses things. And I love that about him. Jeff was a, uh, he, he was a missionary in Albania right after um, the Cold War ended, right after the Iron Curtain fell and communism fell. He was one of the first to fill that void and fill the vacuum and, and um, plant church, and, and those church, that church has planted churches. And he's been back in the States longer than he was on the field there, and yet, man, he's got a heart for missions. And so I really want to encourage you to be here. You do not want to miss it. And then that evening, Sunday night, um, if you are at all interested in hanging out with a missionary or somebody who is on the mission field, or you're considering maybe that would be what God would have for me, then come to my house Sunday night. Um, same rules we had last week is uh, bring a snack. That's your, that's your rule. And if you have kids, just watch your kids. But man, last time was brutally cold, but we had a sweet time for those that were able to make it. And uh, I just, I, I pray that it's a good, good time. All right, so we're going to do that. And then after the, that following week on the, uh, the 11th, we're going to get into the volume of the book. We're going to get right back into that. We've laid that down for a while. It's time to pick it back up. I've been doing a lot of studying and, and prepping for that. All right, so if you did not know where the book of Isaiah is, I gave you plenty of time to find it. Everybody find it? I saw some people run to the table of contents, you know, trying to figure it out. All right, so Isaiah chapter 58. 
We're not going to read all of this, but we're, we need to read a chunk of these verses. Uh, we're, in fact, we're only going to get to verse 7 today, but uh, I do want to read the first three verses, at least a portion of them, and then I want to pray and we'll see where God takes us. Verse 1, is everybody there say amen? amen? Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul and thou takest no knowledge? Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, Lord, for this opportunity just to be reminded of some things. Lord, to be challenged, to be, um, to be convicted by your word. Lord, there's a lot going on in this passage. And Lord, I, I've done the work, I've done the study, but Lord, we need you to show up. Lord, we need you to speak. We ask all this in the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. So as you're reading Isaiah 58, the context is fasting. And what's interesting is, um, there's very little, if any, mention of food in this passage. So when I hear, when I say the word fasting, I'm sure that implies, means it brings up some thoughts um, in, in your mind about intermittent fasting, or I'm going to go on a Daniel fast, or I'm going to do weeks, I'm going to do you know, a few days and just fast and, and seek the Lord. And, but if, if I were to ask the majority of people what, what fasting is, I, I think the overwhelming answer I would probably get um, is, well, I fast so that God will hear me. And that's not biblical whatsoever. That's not biblical fasting. In fact, the, the lesson of fasting is I fast so I'm free from distractions so that I can hear from God. That is biblical fasting. And in fact, we're going to lay out some things and you might be little shocked at what God actually expects of a fast because there's only one time in Scripture where he tells people, too fast, and that's in the book of Leviticus, just one time in the midst of a feast. Now, there's expectation of fasting and all that, but there's only one time that God even commands the nation of Israel to do that, and you aren't nation of Israel. You're not under the law, and yet there's some biblical principles that we can get from this, and I, I pray that today is, honestly, I, I, I do pray that it rocks your world. That's my prayer, and I pray that it challenges you and steps all over your feet, steps all over your toes, because it's doing that to mine already. And I also pray that it's encouraging and freeing. I pray it's all those things. All right, so the very first thing I want you to see is in verse 1, where God has told Isaiah to lift up his voice aloud and, and to cry out because he wants his people, and here's your first point, he wants his people to see their sin. He wants his people to see their sin. He says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Well, that's a firing time. Hey, you, let me just tell you, if God ever just says to you, hey, I know you're getting ready to speak, I know you're getting ready to do a devotion, or hey, you're going to go preach, and here's their message title, show people their sin. That's not very fun to study and prepare that message, just so you know as a pastor. That's not a very fun one. And yet that's exactly what God is expecting Isaiah to do. He says, hey, cry aloud, lift up your voice because I want them to see their transgression. I want the house of Jacob 
to see their sin. But then he takes it a step further and he points out some really good things about his people in verse two. He says, yet they seek me daily. Sound good? That sounds good, doesn't it? Because what you're gonna find here in verse two is that the people are actively engaged in really, really good things. Like I pray a lot of verse two is you. That's what I pray, like on verse, like the very beginning. Yet they seek me daily. That's a daily quiet time with God. Was that a good thing or a bad thing? Today's gonna be very interactive, just so you know. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You're like, where's the trick question? No, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to have daily quiet time with the Lord. He says, yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. That's regular Bible study. Like they delight to know my ways. They're reading their Bible. They're spending time with me every day. Um, they're, they're studying the word of God. They're figuring out what God's will is. They want to know what it, I mean, they have, they've got highlighters out. Their Bible's got cross-references everywhere. They're memorizing the word of God. Good thing or bad thing? Good thing. But notice what it says here. And it says, um, they ask, look at the end of verse two. It says, they ask of me the ordinances of judgment. You know what that is? That's, that's praying for direction. That's what that is. They're seeking God's face. Lord, what would you have me to do in this situation? Lord, would you direct me through your word in, I've got this problem, I've got this, I need, I need your solution. I'm praying for direction. I'm asking for the ordinances of justice. What judgment should I make here? What justice should I be doing here? Is good thing or bad thing? Good thing. Should you be praying and asking God for direction through his word? For sure, you should be doing that. Then notice at the end of verse two, it says, they take delight in approaching to God. That sounds, real, that sounds like private worship, doesn't it? It sounds like worshiping in his presence, to delight to walk and to be in God's presence. And they don't just, it's not like work for them. It's not a chore for them. They like enjoy it. Good thing or bad thing? All good things. And yet God wants them to see their sin. Because I don't know if you noticed, but we skipped part of verse two. Did you see that? We skipped part of it. Because it says something here in the middle of verse two. It says, as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. You see, all that's good stuff that we just talked about, but it was really ritual in their life. That's what was really going on. It was just ritual because they weren't actually doing the things that they had read. They weren't interested in actually carrying out and living in obedience. They're happy to have a quiet time, happy to pray, happy to come to church and celebrate and be in God's presence, happy to do it all, all good things. The problem is they're still steeped in their sin. And if you're following me on social media, I put this out yesterday, I think, but their religious ritual makes them feel spiritual. That's really what's going on. Is their religious quiet time and Bible study and prayer and church attendance and worship, that became a ritual and it made them feel spiritual. So everything they do is they want to be, make sure that they're striving to be biblical while holding on and making sure that they stay sinful. That's what's happening here. And so on the surface, man, it looks great. 
But God says, Isaiah, we have to deal with their sinful heart. We have to deal with the sin here. You see, they, they aren't being obedient. It says, as a nation that did righteousness. In other words, they weren't doing that. They're living the ritual. They're doing the Bible study. They're doing all those things as if they were doing it, as if there was righteousness. And then it says, um, and, for, and as if they forsook not the ordinances of their, of their God. You see, they're not being obedient to what they have studied. They're not being obedient to what they've read. It says, as a nation that forsook not the ordinances. And something I say in my house all the time, knowing and doing are not the same thing. Amen? Knowing and doing are not the same thing. And maybe, just maybe, have we just described your life, your walk with God. You're happy to have your quiet time. In fact, it's part of your daily schedule. You wake up, you hit the alarm, you get the tea, you get the coffee, you find the recliner, you get your Bible, you get your journal, you do your thing, and it's just part of your day. I'm glad that is part of your day. Please don't ever stop that being part of your day. And then you're going to come across some stuff as you're reading your Bible and go, wow, that's interesting. Oh, I need to study that out. I need to get some cross-references. I need to highlight this. I need to change that. I need to study that. I want to go a little bit deeper. Do that. But don't mistake information for transformation. God is interested in them being transformed, not informed. Because they even take it a step further. They're going to pray God's word back to him. Lord, I need some wisdom. I need some direction here. Give me an idea what you would have me to do. I don't intend to do it, but please give me the direction. So at least I can say I know what God wants me to do. That's where they're at. And then they delight to be in his presence, right? They, they love to come to church. They love to sing the songs. They love to praise and love to raise their hands. But they also like to walk out of here unchanged. Is that you? Because here's what God wants. God wants you to see your sin. He does that through his word. But here's what happens when we read the Bible and we study the Bible, we have our quiet times, we pray it back to him, all those things, and we close it without doing it. The Bible says we've lied to ourselves. James chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. In other words, a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. I just described for you a 12-year-old boy. That's how 12-year-old boys function. 12-year-old boys, they're stuck, aren't they? They're stuck between like wanting to be a child and wanting to be kind of grown up. And so they go to the bathroom and they supposedly shower. I don't know that that's what really happens behind that closed door or not. But they at least attempt to make something clean or spray it or they'll ax it or whatever it is. And they'll look in the mirror and going, hey, not realizing their hair's a mess and they got funk, man. And they go off and they, close, they walk out the bathroom unchanged. That's you. That's me. We do this on the daily, man. We read our Bible, we study, we do all the stuff, and then we don't actually do it. We're no different than a 12-year-old boy. And if you're a 12-year-old boy, I love you, but you know it's true. You know it's true. 
So Isaiah preaches. He makes it known. He's like, hey, you need to see your sin. But what's the people's response? Look at verse three. So God lays it out in verses one and two, but in verse three, he says, wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? I mean, don't you see that we're fasting on the daily too? You didn't mention that. And then it says, wherefore have we afflicted our soul? And I'll take, take us no knowledge. You see, God wants his people to see their sin. Here's your next point. The people want God to see their sincerity. That's what's going on. God wants them to see their sin, but people say, God, would you at least see that I'm sincere? Just see the sincerity of my heart. So God reveals sin through his word. We see that in verse one. And people try to demonstrate themselves to God, to prove their sincerity to God through their religious activity. And they bring up fasting. God didn't mention fasting in verse two, did he? He talked about their time in the word. He talked about their time in prayer. He talked about their time in praise. He talked about all the good stuff. And they go, I fast too. What about fasting? And why won't you see that? And, and, and why won't you at least take, I'm afflicting my soul for you. Why won't you see it? And why won't you take knowledge? You see, here's the reality. Sincer sincerity and ritual are all that many believers have. You look at their life, you boil their whole walk with God down, all they have is sincerity and ritual. And here's why. It's because they've allowed their lives to be hindered with so much stuff. All right, this is where the chair comes in. I'm looking for a sorry sucker. Chuck, you're my sorry sap. Come on up. You're the next contestant on Be the Illustration. Come on up, if you don't mind. Chuck, would you mind having a seat in the chair? Now, I want to go on record and saying, I don't believe this is a reflection of who Chuck is. This is where I would have all my disclaimers, right? So, Chuck, thank you for being gracious. Um, to do this. I kind of gave him a hint that I might use him, and then I'll talk to a, another guy, and he's like, oh, you could use Chuck. That'd be fine. <laughs> That'd be fine, too. <laughs> it's like, all right, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Here's the problem. Chuck is going to illustrate for us just the average believer who wants to be in God's presence, wants to do what's right, wants to spend time with the Lord, is in prayer. By the way, all things Chuck is. Aren't you grateful for this man? And the example of the believers that he is? I didn't bring you up here to butter you up, but, but I just realized just how thankful I am for you and your walk with the Lord. So you're an illustration of those things, but also, he's also going to illustrate for us why so many of us are focused on sincerity instead of our sin. And, and I brought some props to maybe help us out. My wife's going to be like, why'd you bring that stuff? No, he's not going to work out. This is going to be cold, by the way. 
I love you. But here's what happens with many of us. Is, uh, these represent yokes. The things we do in life that pull us one way or the next way or this way, right? All at the same time, right? Often we have so much going on in our lives when God would have us just live a simple life. Just a simple focused life. And yet we're being pulled is this hurting? Yeah. Okay. Does this hurt? I'm just sorry. But the, man, that'd be just one thing, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be just one thing if all our issue, if our only issue was, um, man, I just got a lot going on in my life and I can't decide which direction God would have me to go, so I try to go every way. What happens when uh, we have a hard time dealing with sin, right? A hard time dealing with, that's a little tight. Hold on just for a moment. Let me get the extender because you're used to that. All right, there we go. What happens when we get bound by sin? We got life tugging us all over the place. And we got sin holding us back, bands of sin. Oh, what happens when he's interacted with some people who's done him wrong or he's felt hurt and it begins to grow bitterness in his heart? And he oppresses and he lashes out at those who've hurt him. What about, um, what about the weight of the world, man? Just the, the baggage, the burdens, the burdens of his heart consumed, consumed. Now, what does a believer like this How, let me rephrase the question. How does a believer like this walk in obedience? It's kind of hard, isn't it? When works call them this way. Desires calling them this way. And families calling them this way. And ministries calling them way over here. He's tossed and he's all over the place. Oh, by the way, he can't walk because he's bound by sin. He's got no passion to drive because of the bitterness in his heart. And if he wanted to do anything, he's overweighted with weight. So the only thing he can do is pray. The only thing he can do is I read my Bible. The only thing I can do is praise. The only thing I can do is the least that I can do. And I have no expectations of doing anything with it because I'm bound and I'm overweighted and my heart is heavy. 
the idea of standing up and doing one more thing, I guarantee it's going to make me fall flat on my face. And so what can he do? I guess I'll, I can't do anything else. I, I desperately want to be used by the Lord. I, I, I'm asking for direction. I know he's wanting me to do this and I want me to do that. But every time I do, I can't stand up. And if I do get standing up, I can't even take a step. So what do I do? The only thing I can do, I'm going to prove my sincerity to God. I'm going to fast. Because I can't do anything else, man. Because I want God to at least know that I want to. My want to is not broken. Still under the weight. Still bound. And God says, but Chuck, I want to, sorry, I want to deal with your sin. I want to deal with what's going on inside of you. Chuck's like, but don't look at my sin. Look at my sincerity. Because here's what happens. We get comfortable in this. This is all we know. Because it's all we know, it's all we do. Are you good? Yeah. Don't move. Look at verse 3. So they just asked about fasting, and look what God's response is. It says, Behold, end of verse 3 says, Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I've chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it, is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread, ha, spread uh, sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? So here's the next point is God wants his people to see their version of fasting. You see, they say, what about me? I'm fasting. Because yeah, we need to talk about your version of fasting because your version and my version are not the same thing. So the end of verse three says, hey, you're looking for pleasure. You're, you're finding pleasure in this. And let's just be honest. If this is you and you just want to feel something, you're going to fast. And you're going to find some weird pleasure in it because I did something for the Lord. And God says, no, no, no. That's not what, that's not what my fast is, but that might be your fast. And, and so what you see there in verse three is that we don't fast to satisfy the flesh. That's not why we fast. In fact, Colossians chapter two in verse 23 says this. He says, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. You see, there's where a lot of believers get. They get in a spot where they'll afflict their soul. They'll neglect their own body. Why? Because in some weird way, they feel good about themselves. That's Colossians chapter 2, verse 23. He says at the end of verse 3, he says, no, you do this to exact all your labors. No, we don't fast to be seen. We don't fast to be seen. Exacting all of our labors. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16, it says, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sound countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. See what happens when we get in this spot and we can't do anything else. And we start wondering, Am I the only one? Am I the only one? 
gripped in sin? Am I the only one with all the weight? Am I the only one being tugged to and fro all over the place? Am I the only one? And so I got to show that I'm somewhat spiritual, not just to God, but I want somebody else to notice. And so I'm going to fast. I'm going to disfigure my face. I'm going to make sure that my countenance is sad so that you'll know something's going on. No, that's not why we fast. Verse four, behold, you fast for strife and debate. In other words, they start comparing themselves one with another. No, we don't fast to take advantage of others and compare. That's not why we do that. Matthew chapter nine, verse 14, they came unto, then came to him, the disciples of John saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? People start comparing themselves with each other. And we think this is holy. We think that we got something, so I might as well just like disfigure myself and, and at least show my sincerity to God and maybe somebody else will see that I'm trying. Verse four. He says, to smite with the fist of wickedness. He says, you shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Listen, we do not fast to get God's attention. That's not why we fast. We don't fast so that God's gonna hear us. No, we, we fast so that we can hear from God without distraction. That's why we fast. Psalm 66, verse 19 says, but verily God hath heard me. He knows you. Open your mouth and proclaim. He's gonna hear your voice, amen? You don't have to jump through hoops for God to hear you. Open your mouth, he hears you already. Verse five, is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? In other words, we don't fast to make sure that we see ourselves suffer. Been guilty of that? I'm not obedient, so I'll discipline myself. I'll jump through some, I'll, I'll, put some un, I'll, I'll put some rules on my life. I'll put some things in my life so I see myself suffer like God's impressed. No, we don't fast to make sure that we see ourselves suffer. He says we don't bow down like bulrush or like a weeping willow, right? Spread sackcloth and ashes under it. We don't do that to make sure that others see us suffer. And we don't do it because we think this is the acceptable way into the Lord. You're going to call this an acceptable day into the Lord? No, we, we don't fast to make sure God sees the suffer either. Because it's all fleshly, isn't it? Romans chapter 8 and verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Chuck's like, hey, I'm tired of sitting here. Okay. I, I'm hoping, I'm betting, there's a few people in the room that can relate. Are you tired of sitting? Are you, are you sick of it? Are you over it? Because it gets us nowhere. It gets us miserable is what it does. Unchanged. Verse seven exists, praise the Lord. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? Here's your point. God wants his people to see his version of fasting. Okay, your version of fasting is this way, but what's, what's God's version of fasting? Well, according to verse, verse six, is to loose the bands of wickedness and to undo the heavy burdens. So in other words, God's fast leads us to eliminate distractions. That's your next point. 
God's fast eliminates distractions. This isn't about food. It's not about food here. It's eliminating distraction. He says, is not this the fast that I've chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness. In other words, deal with the sin that holds you down. So here's what Chuck's going to do. He's like, wait a second. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And Chuck's like, Lord, I'm gonna start confessing my sin. I wanna undo the bands of wickedness. Oh, look, he can move. Praise the Lord. He starts to, uh, wait, there's sin in my life. How about if I just call it out and deal with it? Loose the bands of wickedness. And then Chuck's going to be like, wait, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. In other words, I'm going to undo the heavy burdens. I don't have to carry it anymore. The stuff that I've been holding on to, the stuff that I've been just gripped, that I've been holding on to and carrying it, and cast it all on the Lord. Well, why would he want it? Um, Because he cares for you? Because that's who he is? Oh, to undo the the heavy burdens? And he's like, wait a second. I wasn't done in Hebrews 12 because Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. He's like, wait, I've got some bitterness towards some people. My heart hasn't been in it because my heart's been stuck, rooted in bitterness towards this individual, this person, or, or whoever it might be. No wonder you can't follow the Lord with everything because you got bitterness. And Chuck says, man, I got to let that go. It's a root of bitterness. God, would you do surgery in, in my heart? Would you replace that, Lord, that I can replace that bitterness with forgiveness so I can let the oppressed go free? And then Chuck's, some of Chuck's favorite verses. Oh man, you can't, you can't skip this because Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Oh, we love this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my, what? Yoke, singular. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. In other words, do it the way that I do it. Let go and break every yoke. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Feels a little better off than on. Now I want you to notice something. Go back to verse six. Pay attention to the words. He says, it's not this the fast that I've chosen. Look at this. To loose the bands of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. To break every yoke. Who had the power to do this all along? 
you did. God, I got all this going on in my life. I'm strapped. I'm all over the place. And would you just get me free? And he's like, I gave you the word that you're reading every day. You've been asking for me my direction. I've been giving it to you every single day. You have the ability this whole time. Chuck is a representation of a believer who was sick of it and said, I'm done. I'm going to fast. You know what that fasting looks like? Freeing my life from distraction so I can get up and put on one yoke. It's the Lord's yoke because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. In other words, it's single and it's simple. And he says, to learn of me. Who do you yoke up with? The Lord. And all too often, we get busy plowing in fields that God hasn't called us to and joining, yoking up with people who are not going the same direction that God would have us go. Your job is to undo the heavy burdens, to loose the bands of wickedness, but to break the yoke. You can't pick it back up if you wanted to. And then he can move forward. Thank you. Then he can move forward in obedience to the Lord because we're not done. Look at verse 7. Is it not to deal? He's still talking about the fast, but here's your next point. God's fast leads us to minister without distractions. So if you're going to biblically fast, eliminate the distractions of your life. What needs to go, man? And they're going to be in those categories of wickedness and, and oppression and burden. Those are the categories that's going to be found in your sin. But God wants to free you from that and, and free you from whatever it is that's got you so busy that you can't focus on the Lord. All right, but then once you've fasted from the distraction, now you're free to minister without all the baggage, without distraction. So he says, is, is, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? And that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? See, that's what ministry looks like. That's quite literally, he's, he's meaning, you got a loaf of bread and somebody ain't got one, give them one. You got a place for somebody to lay their head and they, somebody ain't got one, give them one. That's literally what he's saying. Oh, you got somebody who doesn't have anything to wear? Empty your closet out, man. That's what he's saying. But he's also saying, don't forget about you too, man. You see, that's the historical application, but there's a doctrinal application I want you to see here. He says to share your bread. Deal thy bread to the hungry. What does that mean? Share the word of God. Because the word of God is the bread of life, isn't it? The word of God is that man. The word of God is that bread what bread? What, what do you mean share the word of God? Yeah, all that stuff you were doing in verse two, the daily quiet time and the Bible study and all that stuff, all that time, glean from that. That's the bread that God has given you and you're to share that with others. Share the word of God with others. That's ministry. Guys, that is the biblical definition of ministry, an open Bible with somebody else. That's ministry. But then he says, bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. 
That's accepting the rejected, isn't it? That's accepting the rejected. That's being the family that people need. My prayer, when you walk into this place, not this building, but when you walk in amongst us, I I pray that this is a place to call home. Now, don't get it twisted. We're going to call out sin. Amen? We're going to deal with sin. We're going to deal with some stuff. And it's not always going to be comfortable. But it's a place that you can find to belong. Amen? It's a place to heal. A place to get restored. You feel like you ain't got no other place? Welcome home, baby. Welcome home. What's crazy, and I say this all the time, and I really, really mean it. I love y'all. I do. But if apart from Jesus, you and I wouldn't be kicking it on the weekly. We just wouldn't. Because our paths don't cross, or we don't have a lot of the same likes or the same whatever. But because you're following Christ and I'm following Christ and you have the same spirit of God inside of you, the same spirit of God is inside of me and God has led you to HBC, then we family, we're family. Welcome home. But then he says this, when thou seest the naked that thou cover him. Cover the naked. What do the naked, what, why, why are they naked? Adam and Eve were naked and they were ashamed. Well, they lost the righteousness of God. Ministry is sharing the gospel of Christ. Clothing the naked in the righteousness of God so that they can be saved, washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's ministry. Sharing the gospel so that people can be saved, so that they can be clothed from their nakedness and clothed in God's righteousness. But then he says, you gotta get this. I have to get this. He says, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. In other words, you got to take care of you. What are your needs? Have you taken time to pour into yourself? First Thessalonians chapter four, it's not on the screen, but First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter four tells us to um, possess our vessels in sanctification and honor. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not, you're not your own, for you're bought with the price of glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. They're his. It's very easy for me to be so consumed with ministry, so consumed with making disciples and pastoring. That 
that I can uh, start carrying burdens that aren't mine to carry. Start trying to do things that God hasn't told me to do. Filling, filling my schedule so full that I've got no time to rest, no time to, to breathe, no time to work out, no time to do any of that. Here's the deal. We serve the Lord in our spirit, right? We, we serve the Lord in a spiritual way, not a physical way. I get that. And yet we are still stuck in a fleshly body. Amen? Hello? We still have this one carcass that God gave us, one vehicle that God gave us. One. And if I don't take care of it, I'm just telling you, this is hard for me to say in front of everybody, but man, I have not been taking care of myself. If I don't take care of this that God has given me, it won't be long until it's broke down and busted. And I'm going to be limited in what I'm able to do. Amen? It's just the reality. I, I don't know. This, this may not be where God has you, but man, it's where God has me. So I need to do some business with the Lord, and I'm going to ask that you do the same. The only bread we talked about, the only food we talked about is you giving it to somebody else. So I'm calling you to a fast, but not so fast. God's fast. Let's deal with some stuff. Sobering. Chuck, thank you for being our example. Sometimes it's good to see things. Guys, can we, can we just take some time just to do some business with the Lord? I don't want to manufacture. I'm not trying to make you emotional or nothing like that. But if God has singled something out in your heart you need to deal with, let's deal with it. Remember, we didn't come here just to get informed, but we're here to be transformed. And maybe you can relate with the picture we had right here. Let's deal with some stuff. Would you take a few moments? And I'll pray that we'll be dismissed.
Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that our response to your word would not be the same of the people we read about in verse 2. Lord, they, Lord, we just delight to be in your word and to know what you called us to do, but not doing anything with it. Father, Lord, point us to our sin and our wickedness and the things that are really holding us back from serving you. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't throw sincerity up in your face, but Lord, we'd throw obedience. Lord, I pray that we would take these truths and Lord, apply them to our lives and Lord, make the right decisions and begin to undo the heavy burdens and loose the bands of wickedness and to breaking every yoke and to letting the oppressed go free. Lord, so that we were able to hear from you without distraction. Lord, so we are able to be used by you as we minister to others without distraction. Lord, that is the daily fast, Lord, that you would called us to. Lord, I, I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you, Lord, that we're able to come here to be gathered. But Lord, I pray we'll scatter out of here as we move forward without distraction. We ask all this in the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.